This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. It's the Bartender Journey Podcast number 213. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for listening. Well, this week on the podcast, we have not one, but two diff- two guests at Bar Institute in Brooklyn recently. I spoke to Mr. Josh Davis. He's a bartender and a fine gentleman from Chicago who recently started working with Bar Institute. Hey, hey I'm good. How you doing, man? Pleasure to meet you in person. We're also going to talk to Mr. James Midnight, who is a bartender at the iconic Plaza Hotel, another fine gentleman from New York City, and he is the vice president of our local United States Bartenders Guild chapter. It's a great way to interact and network yourself, uh, meet great new people, go on trips like we're doing today. He does so much for our chapter, including setting up cool trips like the one we were on that day at Dad's Hat Rye in Pennsylvania. We'll talk all about the benefits of joining the USBG. Let's do a book of the week, and it's Cocktails, The Art of Mixing Perfect Drinks by Klaus St. Renaire. Mr. St. Renaire works, at, or he's owner and bartender, at the Golden Bar in Munich, Germany. This is a real nice book with lots of great recipes and great pictures and some good advice, too. He brings up uh, a point that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Uh, he brings up that when juicing citrus, a pressing by hand gives best results. And I've been thinking about this because I do both at work. <laughs> On days when I don't expect to go through a ton of juice, uh, uh, lemon and lime juice, I'll, I'll use a hand press. And then on busier days, I expect to go through more. I use, I have a machine and, uh, you know, the one that has like the cone that sticks up and it turns around, you know, and it's a lot faster and the yield is higher. But I've been thinking that uh, using that machine must impart some of the bitter pith, you know, the white part into the drink. So uh, well, what I really should do is make a, a margarita or, or a daiquiri with, uh, make them identical, except use the two different juices, one from uh, hand press and one from the machine. I can't imagine the results would be that significantly different that I would change my methodology, but still it would be an interesting experiment to try. And anytime there's an experiment that involves drinking two daiquiris, I'm in. Anyway, in the book, Mr. St. Rainier offers the opinion that hand juicing is better, which is something I don't recall ever reading about in any other book, but it makes sense to me. All right, let's do a cocktail of the week. And it's the Smooth Criminal. It's from the book of the week, uh, but I altered it a bit, not because I thought I could do better or it was a bad recipe, but uh, as I go through, I'll tell you what I changed and why. Um, We start with one large chunk of fresh pineapple. I grilled mine. Uh, In the book, he he doesn't grill the pineapple. He just uses a cube of fresh pineapple. But uh, when I went to the store today, the pineapples were very green, underripe. So I took a little demerara sugar, put it on a round slice of pineapple, and grilled it for a bit. And uh, yeah, grilled fruits can be amazing in cocktails anyway. So I thought this was a good opportunity to try that. And we used uh, one and three quarters ounce of rye. We used two teaspoons of orange curacao and one teaspoon of Luxardo Maraschino liqueur, which is, uh, that's something that's, it's a little tricky to use in cocktails. It has a very uh, strong taste, and, uh, but we're using a very small amount here, one teaspoon. Oh, and we need one dash of Angostura aromatic bitters. And we're gonna finish up with also one teaspoon of simple syrup. So uh, we're gonna muddle the pineapple, add the remaining ingredients, the, the rye, the orange curacao, the uh, maraschino, and the simple syrup, the bitters, shake that with ice and double strain. He served it without ice in a cocktail glass or a silver goblet and then topped it with champagne. Uh, I served it tall with ice and topped with seltzer just because I didn't want to open a whole bottle of champagne today. And uh, he, he served it without garnish, although in the picture in the book, it's in this silver goblet that's held up by this amazing statue of an angel, which is incredible. Um, anyway, I put a sprig of mint in mine just because the mint is so beautiful and aromatic this time of year. Hey, how do you take care of your mint? 
I've tried a few different methods and I'm still looking to improve, but what I've been doing recently is, and it's been working pretty uh, pretty well, is cutting off the very bottom of the stems on an angle like you would do with flowers that you're about to put in a vase. And I fill up a water pitcher with ice water. So uh, yeah, I, actual ice and water. And uh, I dunk the mint in there with the leaves down. Uh, then I turn it over so the cut end is down and let it sit in the ice water for about 10 minutes, uh, hopefully fully submerged. It, it float, does float to the top a little bit. That's why I turned, I put this cut side down so it's soaking in water. Uh, the ice water kind of sets the color and then I take it out of there and gently shake off as much of the water as possible. Pat it dry with paper towel, then wrap it up good uh, with dry paper towel. And the paper, paper towel will get a little moist, but you don't want it soaking wet because the mint will start to de deteriorate pretty quickly at, uh, in that, you know, if it's real soggy. Uh, then I take that and wrap it up in plastic wrap and keep it in the fridge. Before leaving for the night, I'll change the paper towel out for dry ones again. So this has been working well. Uh, I was hoping to be able to display the mint on the bar, but I just have not had any luck with it holding up, even uh, in a little carafe of ice water. Uh, if you have a better method, please let us know. Post your ideas on the Bartender Journey Facebook page. Just go to Facebook and search for Bartender Journey and like that page, like it, and you can leave a comment. Let us know how you keep your herbs fresh. All right, let's talk to Josh Davis. Oh, man, I got, song, man. I got, I got words to close <laughs> <laughs> this week. <laughs> All right. Cool, All right. Cool. We're with Josh Davis. How you doing? Hey, hey, I'm good. How you doing, man? Good, good. Pleasure to meet you in person. That's right. We've uh -huh. been going back and forth on Facebook a little bit. But, yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. Good to meet you in person. Yeah. And since we first started talking, now you're working for Lush Life. How, yes, how did yes. that happen? It's a... Uh, I, man, it just—it was one of those things that just happened, man. Just the opportunity came. I had to jump on it, and I had to go and just get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, so what's your... Is he taking a car? Yeah, he's taking a car. Oh, oh, okay. I'll catch you later, man. I'll be over there. So uh, so what's your uh, position there? So my position with Less Life, uh, I'm a consultant. Uh, so part of my job, well, how we first met was with the whole Tesla cocktail debacle. Yeah. So part of my job is... Hold on. Go ahead, man. I'm coming. I'm sorry, I'm sorry man. All the guys trying to catch me. But part of my job is to get uh, diversity and people of color right. more involved in uh, events such as uh, Bar Institute, such as Camp Run Amok, um, Cane Camp, different activations that Lush Life has coming right. in the future. All right. Well, that's yeah. awesome. How do you think... Uh, how do you how do you think that all uh, played out with uh, all that went down with Tales of uh -huh. Cartel and Anne? And, uh, you know, you wrote that big letter, the uh, yes. open letter. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, which was well done, sir. Thank you. Thank and, you. I appreciate uh, it. Do you think uh, things are moving forward now? Or? Um, I think that conversations are being had. Yeah. I think that's the, the main thing because in order to move forward, you got to at least talk about it first. Right. And that was one subject that no one spoke on. So now that people are starting to talk about it and it's starting to be out in the open and it's starting to be a little bit more of an open discussion, I think positive changes are coming. They might not come today, they might not come tomorrow, but I think the future, it'll definitely be a lot more change in yeah, the industry. Well, we were here talking about it today. We talked about it today. Ashton gave a hell of a class, <laughs> yeah, didn't she? Yeah, she something. Oh, yeah, she, oh, y'all got the mild version. You should have been in New Orleans and Birmingham. It was way, Yo, way yikes. more intense, man. But, I mean, this is New York, so it's a little more diverse crowd. It's a little more open-minded than some other places in the country. So she was able to kind of go, but she, she was way rougher. She she beat the, <laughs> beat the folks up, you know what I mean, out of town. <laughs> well, I thought she did a great job with the talk with Ann, though. Oh, yeah, she the, did. She did. And there's some more stuff we're working on coming. We have a, a 
big event coming. It's kind of under wraps. I'm not going to say when it's going to happen, but it's something that me and Ashton are working on. So cool. it'll happen really, really soon. Cool, cool. Yeah. So tell me about your history in the barbers. You've been in oh, man, barbers. All, you've been, all, all your life? Or, uh, no, actually, not all my life. Um, I'm not a nine-to-five guy. Like, I learned that at a very early age. Right. Um, I got into hospitality when I had my oldest son. He's now 14, so I've been doing it about 12 years. Um, I started off as a bouncer. Okay. Ironically, <laughs> then uh, one night bartender didn't show up to work. I got thrown behind the bar. I liked it. All right. Now here I am. You know what I mean? So I worked in nightclubs, strip clubs. Now I'm working in a neighborhood bar, which is trying to turn into more of a, a craft cocktail bar, but still have a neighborhood feel. So it's not really pretentious. It's really just a fun place for everybody to come, get a good drink, have a good vibe, good conversations, and just do it up. You know what I mean? Just live. You know what I mean? That's what the yeah. hospitality business is about. Yeah. It's not about how I could break down, see the book, how I could break down gin and all. It's not about that. <laughs> you might get those one or two people that like that, but for the most part, it's about making sure the person on the other side of the bar is enjoying themselves and they're having a great experience. That's, that's all I'm about. So yeah, that's great. That's great. And and uh, so what what neighborhood is that? So it's South Side Chicago. We're in the South Loop, uh, the Bureau Bar, so on uh, 16th Street, right off Michigan. And we also have the Velvet Lounge, which is on 22nd, right off Michigan. So they're about six, seven blocks apart. You can literally come from go to Bureau, get a cocktail experience, and go to Velvet and get a nightclub experience. All right. So you can do it all in one night, and you can walk, so you don't even have to drive. Uh-huh. Yeah, drink responsible. That's so, what we do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how's it been? You've been on tour with the uh, bar and stew? Yes, for I've been. I've weeks, done. Right? I've done twelve, I believe, cities. I, I, I lost wow, count, man. That's awesome. I, I lost count. It feels like. I'm a rapper on tour right now, man. So <laughs> driving um, around in this bus, yeah, right driving here. around this bus. The bus man. is full of balloons right now for yeah, some reason. Balloons for, uh, oh, tonight we're gonna party. <laughs> oh, we're gonna party tonight. We got some special stuff uh, for New York. We're gonna party, but it's been a lot of fun. Um, I've gotten closer with the Lush Life team. Uh, we all were friends already before, but you know, living with people on the road, you get a lot closer. We've done a lot of cool stuff in a lot of cities, raised a lot of money for Core. Yeah. Your experience with Core, you know, yeah, I heard about yeah. today, which you know touched me. Yeah. So you know, it's, it's it, all in all. I haven't been home. I haven't been bartending, but I'm having so much fun right That's now. That's awesome. Yeah. I think they're are they waiting on you? I think they are waiting <laughs> on me. Yeah, they are waiting All right, on right. Me. we'll wrap it up. We won't yeah. keep you anymore. So Thanks, you, are you making it back tonight or not? Well, Josh had a bunch of people trying to whisk him away to another bar, and uh, so I didn't want to keep him too long. And uh, we ended up meeting him over there at a great bar called Sweet Polly, which is a pr- pretty new place in Brooklyn, uh, but a wonderful bar. Nice people there. So we had a good old time over there. But uh, then I, t- I had to take off after that. I didn't go back to the bar and stew party afterwards, unfortunately. Hey, kind of a funny story or a correction to make here with our book of the week. Our author's name uh, is actually Klaus Steven Reiner. So uh, we, I reached out to our friend Stefan Geisbert, who was uh, on our show not too long ago. Remember, we did a sort of online cocktail party. Uh, I'll put a link up to that uh, in the show notes to go along with this show. But uh, I got tried to get in contact with him in time to confirm that I was saying this author's name right. And it uh, turns out it's kind of a joke. So he... he calls himself Klaus. His middle name is Steven, but he abbreviates it S-T, and then his last name Reiner. So it so it spells strainer. Ah, it's a joke. And I fell, totally fell for it. So <laughs> thank you, Stefan, for uh, correcting me. Stefan tells me Klaus is uh, very well respected in the bar community over there and a real big shot in the German cocktail scene. So uh, yeah, again, this is a good book. Uh, Cocktails, The Art of Mixing Perfect Drinks by Klaus Steven. Steven Reiner, and uh, so of course we'll have a link up to that on Bartender Journey as well. Hey, next we're going to talk to James Midnight, the vice president of our New York City United States Bartenders Guild chapter. All right, we're here with Mr. James Midnight. 
How are you today, sir? I'm great. How are you? Great. Well, thank you so much. You took such a big part in the USBG and uh, do a lot of work for... Uh, we all appreciate it, my friend. Thanks. I appreciate <laughs> it, too. It's my pleasure. How'd you, how long have you been in USBG? Uh, I've been almost since the inception. I guess almost um, will be about nine years. Wow. Um, yeah. When I was when I was first in it, there were only maybe about 15, 20 people. And now we have about 500 or something? We have, uh, yeah, over 500. So we're talking so about just the New York chapter, by the way. Just the New York chapter, yes. <laughs> yeah. Come a long way. Yeah, amazing. And uh, it's really one of the most active chapters, yeah? Yeah, I would say probably the most active, influential chapter right. uh, in, the US, in the USPG nationally. Yeah. So if anybody is not a member of USPG yet that's listening, what would you have to say to them? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a great opportunity to actually first... Um, uh, make promote yourself and uh, promote uh, your talents and your expertise in bartending or if you're an enthusiast uh, and you really just like spirits and uh, the cocktail community it's a great way to interact and network yourself uh, meet great new people go on trips like we're doing today um, and just get out there and uh, experience what this whole craft cocktail uh, renaissance is about yeah I think a lot of people are uh I don't know if, in, if intimidate is the right word, but, you know, enthusiasts and people are just starting out are sort of like, oh, I'm not ready for that. In fact, I kind of felt the same way. Like, I was like, oh, I'll get to it eventually. I don't feel ready for it yet. But, you know, everybody's more than welcome, right? Yeah, we're, we're a family. So once you join the USPG, you're part of our family. So nobody's better than the other person. We're all, uh, you know, the uh, same unit. And uh, we like to make everybody feel comfortable, and we have a really, really warm reception towards people, no matter what their uh, field is coming into the group. Yeah. So let's talk about your history a little bit. Worked at the Plaza Hotel for many years, right? Yeah, I've been there. I'll be there three years now, uh, uh, coming up. So uh, it's a great experience. Um, uh, the Plaza has been something that's been in my uh, my down from my childhood, so yeah, uh, it's been a part of old New York. So I used to go there as a child with my family and uh, go in the afternoon and have tea and go dancing. And uh, so it's always been something that uh, it's deep in my uh, soul and my heart. So to get the opportunity to work there has been a lifelong dream. Yeah, did you you grow up in the city? Obviously, in Manhattan, or uh, I grew up in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Actually, oh, okay, yeah. Brooklynite, a real Brooklynite. Yeah, nice. Yeah, my my dad used to take us to Plaza Hotel too, just to walk through, and so you you know you have to dress nice if you're going in there, you know. Always. And always. Uh, yeah, I have the same uh, same childhood memories from the Plaza. That's <laughs> funny, but it's such an iconic place. And uh, what, what what tell us about the style of bartending that goes on there. Obviously, it's quite Cla different than um, you know classics, but we have a the the staff that can do it all. I have an amazing um, group of people that I work with there. Uh, everybody brings a certain talent level. Uh, to the uh, team and go in there just to experience the the expertise and how people have a love for the craft there is a great joy. So it's always a pleasure to go to work every day. Nice. Yeah, there's something about that uh, that style of service that I actually I enjoy it too. Working in a private club is, I guess, similar in a way that you know everything's you know a little more formal uh, and uh, and you know, sophisticated and uh, you know. Well, suit and tie, love. Um, which I think do you wear uh, was as well. What uh, do you wear a suit? Not a not a jacket. No, vest and a bow tie. I like that class style bartending. It reminds me of the old days, like Jerry Thomas days yeah. and 
you know, the uh, uh, Ada Coleman days, you know, stuff like that, uh, where people got dressed up to go to work. Um, it's something that maybe some people could learn from. Uh, I Bartending-wise, since I've been a youngster, it was always about dressing your best, looking the part. Um, and now, now that I work at the plaza, uh, I have a certain clientele that expects that. Uh, and I just love it every day. I love going to work like that, all dressed up. I liked that since I was a kid, so get dressed up, go into the city, whether you're working, not working. Uh, it's just part of my bring, my upbringing. Right. So uh, it, 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 it's something that comes easily to me. It's nice to the, uh, you know, the, the guests or we have members, not guests, who do it there, you know, they have rules too, you know, they're like, you know, almost like the old milk and honey, you take you off your hat and you're not expected not to use foul language and things like that, you know, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it seems like it's something that's a lost art almost, you know, or it's fading. I mean, it's the same as the plaza because yeah. what, what we uh, do there is we, we have a resident side to the plaza hotel now, which is, uh, about 10 years old and then we have uh, over 300 rooms so uh, basically we have members that all the time yeah uh, and they expect a certain level of service which we provide uh, 24 7 and um, it's something I uh, that's endearing to me I really love it I think that we've kind of gotten away from that type of hospitality in our business uh, and it's something that I don't think a lot of people can do anymore um, we have a lot of drink makers in our industry right now, but we don't have a lot of bartenders, if you know what I mean. So. I, who did I? I just heard this the other day. I can't remember who said it, but it's the, it might have been me. It, it was probably you. Said uh, we used to have to teach uh, bartenders how to be mixologists. Now we have to teach mixologists how to be bartenders. <laughs> that, that's uh, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I get embarrassed when people call me a mixologist. So, like my face goes red. But. I just I'm just called a mixologist when it pays me better. Right, <laughs> that makes sense. I don't know if you remember the first. The first time we actually talked was at Tales in 2013, and you had just finished a seminar about responsible serving, and it was a really good seminar. Yeah, so that was the 86 seminar with uh, Show Vosi and uh, Brian Flannan. Right, right. Yeah, it was a great success. People really seemed to enjoy it. I, and the one thing I remember more than anything from that seminar was when you said, you said um, asking somebody if they want a cup of coffee is kind of the universal sign for you've had enough. <laughs> exactly, yes. <laughs> that was a great Glass quote. of water for a lot of places, too. Yeah, I do that too. Glad. But where, I glass of water. where I work, um, usually people that are overserved are coming from somewhere else. Right. So at the plaza, we like to take care of them. We'll get them a cup of coffee or a glass of water, or uh, we'll put them in a cab, make sure they get home safe. Right. Uh, it's just another level of service that we do there that I really enjoy. You always want to make sure people, even if they've had a good time, that they get home safely. Yeah. And uh, it happens to all of us, you know. You, you don't eat, or you. Right. Tired and sure. You know, we've all been overserved. I think at some point in our oh, career. Oh yeah. So yep, we gotta watch out for people, take care of them. That's that's what hospitality is, I guess. Yeah, and that's that's what I look out for. You know? Yeah, it's it's tricky though, man. Especially when um when uh people are around their friends, and you know one is obviously done for the evening. It's really difficult thing to do to uh you know because you're embarrassing them in front of their friends. You know. Well, you got to play it by ear. You know, usually what you try to do is. Uh, Try to find out who the lead in that group is, right? And then basically go to them and ask them if they maybe they could talk to the person just to uh, before I step in. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, that usually works out pretty well. Yeah. You know, that way you're not really embarrassing the person in front of people. Uh, but sometimes you got to step in and take control of that situation and 
unfortunately, sometimes people's egos are bruised, but yeah. uh, you got to make sure they're in a safe environment. And that's what uh, I, you know, I'm worried about the most. Right. I think, uh, what was the other thing you said? Uh, you said, uh, you know, tomorrow's another day and we'd love to see you again tomorrow, but you're, you know, tonight's. Yeah, sometimes your night has just ended and, you know, um, sometimes when you tell people that it, it, it pops in their head that maybe they're, they should go home or, or get some rest. Sometimes it doesn't, but uh, my job is to make sure people are safe and sound. And uh, at my establishment that they get out of there unscathed uh, without a problem. So um, being at the plaza more than probably than anywhere else, um, I have that power to really institute that. So um, it's something we can do pretty easily there. Yeah, if I was to tell security too, if you, if you ever if it ever we came do. to that, we don't, you probably, we don't you have you probably much don't. Of a problem with that. Yeah, but, I uh, no, I doubt it comes to that often. And, but and uh, if it does, those guys are professionals. You know, yeah. they know how to um, get people uh, into a cab or. Or uh, get them home, right? You know, right. or to their room. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> that that comes up sometimes in hotels too. They're like, oh, I'm just staying upstairs. Exactly. You know, but, yeah. But you know, you can't you can't let people get no to well, that point. They're, they're a guest. You know, sometimes people think they're more than a guest because they pay for a room, but uh, they're a guest of the uh, plaza, and uh, as guests, we treat them as such and make sure they get into their room. But uh, you know, we control the situation there. Yeah. No, but it's also a matter of them saying, you know, well, I'm not driving. I'm just staying right upstairs so yes, I can add much, one more. Much easier, yeah. But we have but a... still. If I see somebody come in and they they look like they don't need another one, I'll, I'll just immediately tell them, you know. Yeah. I'm sorry, even though you're staying in a hotel, you know, I can't, I can't serve you anymore. Right, right. They're usually pretty agreeable with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, we're going to Dad's Hat. How do you... How do you set up all these trips? Do, they, do people come to you or um, you go Sometimes to them, people or? come to me for the most part, but sometimes... Uh, if I think a certain spirit is uh, something that I think the the members would enjoy, yeah, uh, learning about, um, I'll I'll search them out. Right. Uh, the good people at Dad's Hat, uh, Cliff Oldfield, uh, reached out to us uh, for the members to come down for the trip. So uh, they sent the bus for us today, and we're gonna go down and have a great time. Yeah, I can't wait. And Actually, uh, I've had. Um John Cooper from Dad's Hat's been on my show before. Great, great guy. Yeah, great he's guy. really super guy. Well, the, the um, Dad's Hat is uh, a James Beard semifinalist this year, so uh, that's a big deal for an American whiskey. So uh, good for them. You know, a lot, a lot of, a uh, lot of uh, competitors, and to get into the semifinals is awesome. And that's which competition is that? James Beard. Oh, James Beard. Yeah, James right. Beard finalist. Yeah, yeah. Semifinalist. Wow. Yeah, it's good stuff. I love the uh, I love the um, vermouth cast finish. Amazing. All, I think all their whiskeys are amazing. Yeah, they really are. They're doing some of the best stuff in American whiskey that I, I know of. It was cool because he was uh, he was talking about the different styles of a whiskey, so of a rye. So there's a Pennsylvania style rye, Maryland style rye, which I don't know that I could pick them out uh, side by side. State, but. States are just coming into their own, you know, different barrels, different chars, uh, different grains. Uh, they're all they're all developing their own style. So you'll see in the next couple of years that. Certain states will have their own style of whiskey that you'll be able to differentiate. Yeah, it's it's cool. I, I was talking to a guy who uh, makes American single malt in um, the Northwest somewhere, and uh, and he's like, we you know we we don't keep our recipe secret. You know, I mean, if somebody wants, even if somebody came in and did the same exact mash bill and tried to duplicate what we did, first of all, it wouldn't be the same. Any, you know, it wouldn't be the same even if they tried. 
But then number two, like now we're developing a, a style, you know, a region, regional style, which is kind of cool. Well, also env environmental conditions come into play with that. So right. if you do something in Delaware and then you do something else, you know, in Boise, Idaho, you're going to have a different result, you know. Yeah. It's all climate, uh, you know, what your barrel is made of, uh, how you char your barrel, um, how you're storing your barrels, uh, how long you're storing your barrels. All that comes into play when you're making whiskey. So Dad's Hat, I think, is all um, it's all produced on site. They don't they don't purchase whiskey from anybody else. No, they do not. And uh, that's that's a, that's a cool thing, you know. It, it's really so fun to meet the guys that are actually making this stuff, and and you know we get to enjoy. So. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, we used to call it Gonzo Distilling, but now it's so it's such a precise uh, way of making whiskey. These guys have it down pat. Uh -huh. So, uh, you know, we're making some really brilliant uh, whiskeys, bourbons, rise outside of Kentucky now, whereas 10 years ago, you wouldn't even think about that. Right, right. Well, this is going to be an exciting day, and uh, can't wait to see what's in store. Me neither. <laughs> cool, man. Thanks. Thanks, thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Cheers. Bye. There you go. You can get more information about joining the USBG at usbg.org. Stand by for a toast. We do a toast every week at the very end of the show. But first, I really want to get you involved and get to know more about you. I have a listener survey set up at bartenderjourney.net slash survey. If you record the answers to those questions and email the file to me, maybe we'll use it in this podcast. You can record with a voice recorder app on your phone and email me the file at brian at bartenderjourney.net. Alternatively, on that same page, uh, you could, there's a link to a Google form where you can just enter your answers uh, in text form, I guess, or you know, like radio buttons and stuff. So uh, that's a Google uh, form. So again, it's bartenderjourney.net slash survey, and I would love to hear from you. Oh, right here's our toast, and it's from our book, Toasts, over 1,500 of the best toasts, sentiments, blessings, and graces, compiled by Paul Dixon. The Lord gives us our relatives. Thank God we can choose our own friends. Cheers. We'll see you next time on the Bartender Journey Podcast. Yeah.